Right, hello everyone, and welcome back to the DeathRoverRots.com comic book podcast. As always, I'm dead. We got Birdie. I thought we were stopping with the mediocre disappointments. And Nico. Well, hello. Uh, yeah, so today let's talk about Under the Red Hood. Wow, don't say I'm too excited, guys. <laughs> Bernie said this plenty of times in the little group text chat we have going, but why don't you go ahead and say it, Bernie? Are, are you referring to, well, this this comic trade is a great promotion for the feature film. Exactly. Mm-hmm. This is fucking 14 issues. Yeah, and it it didn't need to be. <laughs> yep, it is 14 issues spread out over spread out like across three different story arcs. I was about to say that are all I, taking place before and after other major story arcs. Yeah, there wasn't a lot of focus in on this reintroduction of the character throughout as we yeah, well, do. But yeah, it is it, I actually liked that at times, and then other times I didn't because I'm like, okay, well, what's going on with the main story? <laughs> here's, here's, here's the thing: it's kind of, and I sometimes, even though we are all avid readers of comic books, we sometimes forget the differences between what needs to go into like a storyline of an ongoing comic that ties into a bigger universe versus just a story being told separate from anything else. Yeah, and I. The, the movie is. It's got flaws of its own, but it's a story told by itself away from anything else. Right. There's so many like tie-ins to stuff that was going on, like Dead said, before and after this. Some of them seem appropriate to mention. Others are like, why? Yeah. <laughs> well, you mentioned that prior to recording as well, and, and, and I, at that time I hadn't read it. I actually just read this yesterday before recording, and this is my first time reading it, even though kind of knowing some of the aspects of this story already, but, um, but yeah, to your point, yeah, there was a lot of other things mentioned of previous events, uh, you know, from, you know, characters that have died before in the DCU and like other things. And even, even in Batman, it being wedged in between different events in the Batman universe and just like them mentioning, you know, things about Oracle and how they're not taught, you know what I mean? Like, or like this happened to like, you know, and, and they briefly touch on stuff, but not enough to like, as a, as, as this being one of their main storylines that DC has mentioned in essential uh, collected editions to pick up as a story for this character, it doesn't do a very good job of, packaging this material in this trade that I've purchased and giving this to a new reader. Like, I can't see you kind of doing that as someone delving into the Batman universe for the first time. Oh yeah. Which like I, I had to do a bunch of research, like, like, yeah. I had, like just like comparing it to other stuff, figuring out where it actually takes place. And then just having panels from other stories in it. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah that's, which is funny because the, the writer of the comics is also the writer of the movie. So I guess he must have just looked at his previous work when he adapted the movie. He's like, okay, cut this, cut this. I kind of like this, cut this. Okay, now I've got a decent movie. Okay, well, yeah, so. like you said, this this is this, this is a storyline as part of an ongoing comic. So he had, you know, had to, had to deal with the rest of the universe, had to deal with, you know, editorial mandates, had to deal with, like, the rest of the book. Yeah, and, and so then he was that. able. To, so then he was able to take the story that he wanted to tell, cut out all the bullshit, and then just keep like the core of what he needed to tell. 
Right. I mean, and not only that, I mean, the, the way that, yeah, he did it through the main Batman title. But, uh, I mean, I, I didn't read this coming out at the time. I don't think I was reading comics at that point in time when this came out off the shelves. So I'd be interested to, for anybody who maybe had read it at that time, how that experience was, if they had hyped this up as, 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 uh, as much as they have since it's come out. Uh, in the sense that it's one of those essential storylines bringing this character back, or if this was just something fun that he tried out, and then you know what I mean, like maybe an idea that he had and he threw it out there, and it maybe got well, it was well received, and then he didn't really know how to finish it because it seems like the ending of this, not to jump too far ahead, it it wasn't even really very much of an ending. Like you know what I mean, it was just like it was well, just like I don't know. I just I was kind of unsatisfied with it to be honest. Like and it just felt like yeah, you you may see the character again in this book somewhere down the line. Right? I, I, like, I use the I use the term storyline kind of loosely. Yeah when it comes to the comic, because there is a story. It's just that like all of the scenes, most of the scenes I really liked from the animated movie are in here. It's just like their placement and the way they're staged. They don't seem to have like the same dramatic weight or narrative through line that Garrett, that created the films, the film's best moments. Yeah. So a lot like of the it's... things that I recognize they don't play the same, and oddly, because of that, I'm like, "Why is this here?" Well, <laughs> and it's large, and it's large because this is like a, it is, it is a, it is a like, it is one story being told through two separate like, or like two to three separate like four to five issue storylines. Because like you can see, you can see it as you're reading the book, where it's like, all right, so yeah, like issues this to this. You can see they're like under the red hood, under the hood part one, under the hood part two, and then with the next thing, and then and like it gets into the next bit, and all of a sudden it's like fucking like like collateral damage or whatever the fuck it's called. Mm-hmm. Like this, this wasn't this wasn't written as here is under the right. red hood, the reintroduction of Jason Todd. It was, it was hey, here's a storyline where we get to the end and shock of shocks, it's Jason Todd, and then we continue it a bit later. That, that's why then that's why I was asking I wonder how it was reading it off the shelf at the time and if they actually tried to package it that way or not because like maybe we're we're it's unfair of us to judge it in that sense knowing that this is like this story right because like be, but it's true like as an aside like some of this like the the other things that they're they were talking about like through this story like it just it went veered off into weird places like when the whole issue where they fought that amazo, guy that came out the fuck out of nowhere and like didn't really which it was fine like yeah, it was like, like, like that that bit was good but it was just like hey it's like it's like here's under the hood and then oh we're fighting a maze i went back to under the hood right, right. it so, felt like filler uh, in a five issue story yeah it felt weird like sometimes i found it entertaining depending on what was going on but then it didn't feel very focused in that sense because and and, and the fact that he opened up the story with that semi reveal of him revealing himself to him and then not you know revisiting it for like five issues it, it seemed uh it, the, the pacing was was weird for this so that's why i'm yeah. like i don't really know where he was coming from with this i don't i don't i mean i gotta i suspect that he thought this was gonna be not that big of a deal i don't know if dc had planned on bringing this character back like they did in that sense right i don't know i mean, well, I, I mean yeah I, but, obviously editorial had to sign but, off on this yeah but, again the, but a lot of the problems with this come down to stuff that feels like editorial decisions like right. yeah did, did we really need to keep referencing identity crisis because we did not 
I couldn't, and it also, I couldn't tell had this happened after Identity Crisis or before, because the scene with Zatanna suggests that Identity Crisis had already happened and mm -hmm. Batman knew what happened to him, but then the scene with Green Arrow suggests that Identity Crisis had happened, but Batman didn't know what had happened yet. So, so I, and Judd Winnick, I think, was writing Green Arrow at this time, was he not? Uh, he might have been. I don't know. He was writing that Black Canary, Green Arrow thing, I, a series at one point. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, that was good. So, yeah, that was good. With yeah. all of this, let's get into the book proper. So, this book came out over a course of two years, between 2004 and 2006. So, it literally straddles the distance from the end of Identity Crisis to the beginning of or the, possibly even the end of Infinite, Infinite Crisis. Yeah, the, the, the events of this book do take place during Infinite Crisis. And then OMAC happens in the middle of it. Yeah, then OMAC just happens. <laughs> we'll, we'll get to that. Yeah, I was just like, they just briefly mentioned it. Well, you know, you did just set up the satellite. I'm like, what? <laughs> Sorry, go on. Yeah, so. Over the course of two years, written by Judd Winnick and drawn by Doug Mankey, Paul Lee, Shane Davis, and Eric Battle, which I'll be getting into my thoughts on that as we as that comes I, up. I also have thoughts on that. <laughs> Many thoughts on the art in this. <laughs> Inconsistent. Yes. That's, yes. A, that's, a, that's a word for it. <laughs> I actually have a ranking from best to worst of the artists in this. <laughs> yeah. And starting with the best artist, Doug Mankey. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Uh, it opens with a big old battle. <laughs> As is just fucking Batman fighting the Red Hood. And he's like, huh, yeah. this guy fights familiar. And I mean, it's... It. Why do so many writers do this? I don't know, man. Like, like, it's, like, it's in, like, in media's rest. I know it's in media's rest. But it's, the thing about it is in media's rest is that... It needs a point. Opinion, it needs a point, and you can't... It has to be no further in than, like, the second act. Because if you do the third act... In the like, correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't this the fight from the end of the movie, basically that they're showing right at the start, or am I imagining it wrong? Uh, this is like not not the one in the like tenement with Joker, but like the one on top of the the cathedral, or was that there was this just like another fight? I think also? I think that might be just another fight. Also, like I know that this one, I know like this fight is takes place like at the end of the first minute at the first storyline that takes that makes up this yeah maybe I, I i don't know again pacing and story structure for this storyline in the comics is weird so i kept like uh, okay is this the fifth act now or yeah i don't know man <laughs> but anyway we get, we get a big old fight this guy rips off batman's mask super fucking easy yeah because they had set up earlier that he stabbed because guess what he's Jason Taj, so we don't have to take off his mask. Yeah, and he has weapons that can cut through Batman's armor and and, and gear. Yeah, and, 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 and when we say weapons, we mean a stupid knife. It's, yeah, it's, which which, it's, which apparently yeah. Batman built that knife. <laughs> Did he build it during his like goth teen phase? No, I don't know, but like this was something that occurred to me as I after I, I watched the movie again after I finished reading the comic. Oh. Okay. And, the first thing that's brought up after this scene is that, oh no, uh, some unknown entity has like taken control of Cord Industries from Bruce Wayne's company, and 
that means all of our Batman R&D stuff now belongs to someone else. And I'm just wondering if that was used as an excuse for why Red Hood has gear that can go up against Batman, despite Jason Todd having been dead for multiple years. I think that's what it is, yeah. It, and when we're speak, while we're speaking on, on uh, the topic of masks, I did want to mention that uh, his, his mask is supposed to be like metal or something, right? Like it's it, like an armored hood. Okay, yeah, yeah it's an, it's an armor it's an armored biker helmet. Okay, so that's what I thought, and I got to say, Doug Monkey draws it the best because he actually puts shade and depth on it, while other people make it look like it's a fucking like Halloween mask. Oh or yeah, something. like. Like, 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 like that first panel of the first panel where it has like like a ridge to it on like the nose yeah. and it actually feels like it is like meant to represent someone's face. So like as we get into some of the other artists as you go on, I'll mention the ones that were really fucking bad with it. Like because like at times I was like, is he wearing a rubber mask? Like it looked yeah. like anyways. Yeah, it just something I noticed and I thought he, he drew he drew that look of uh, of Red Hood, which is hard to do because you're basically drawing a guy in a fucking mask the whole time. Yeah, you're, right? draw- it's- you're basically trying to draw Mysterio, but with detail. Right. So I, I think he did a pretty good job of that. I just want to mention that. Yeah. So after the fight, it's like, oh, guys, you, who the fuck is it? Oh, flashback to immediately after War Games. The storyline that resulted in Black Mask becoming basically the kingpin, the clock tower getting blowed the fuck up, and back and uh, Barbara Gordon, I guess, fucking off, and Stephanie Brown is dead. Yeah, which yeah. I didn't know. I didn't read that. I read some stuff. Well, I've, I've heard mm-hmm. about war games. I think I actually own the first I, of the two I, trades I, because this I, is I, like a, yeah, a I have the trades thing, too, <laughs> but it's apparently not that good. So I'm kind of. I haven't just haven't put forth the time to read it. I've had so many other comics I've needed to read. Yeah. That, um, I just, I might read it at some point because it's a, uh, what's her name? Uh, Cassandra came back girl story. And, uh, there's not going to be many of those until DC decides to stop fucking with her. So <laughs> that'll never happen. Birdie. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so that happened. Bruce's being Bruce, Alfred, is sassing him. Lucius yeah. Fox shows up to do the thing you said earlier. And so Batman does what he always does when he gets bad news. Bees Batman. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, gangsters are threatened by the Red Hood. He's like, hey, guess what? I'm in charge now. And I'm holding an LMG, but I call it an AK-47. I'm a genius. I do not know why that bugs me. Uh, I'd have to look at the image again. I, I thought, like, in the, He's straight up so holding a belt-fed LMG. Yeah, I, I could. I'm not doubting you. I'm just saying, in the in, I, my brain always defaults to the movie, and in the movie, it actually was an AK-47. So, I guess Judd Winnick maybe looked at that scene from the comics when he was writing. He was like, "Oh shit, I did. I told him the wrong thing." <laughs> yeah, maybe. I don't know. Or you know, the duffel bag full of heads that he throws at. Them. <laughs> yeah, because he's yeah, because he's like, "Hey, drug dealers, work for me now. Here's some heads. Bye bye." And we're against the Black Mask, and Black Mask is very miffed. So miffed that his human ear and neck have turned black like his fake mask. Yeah. Speaking of consistency and drawing a fucking mask. Also, I have a problem with Black Mask just story-wise, and this is going to sound weird, but in the context of, um, of of the comic story or just the story in general... 
he's made the scene more important than he really is. Oh yeah, he's just a dude. Oh yeah. But yeah, but like in the in the movie, his purpose and like the reason Red Hood was fucking with him was made more clear. Whereas, I, I guess part of it is I don't entirely know what Jason's motivations are in the comic story. So the reason why he keeps fucking with the red with uh, black mask as much as he does seems kind of superfluous by the end of the story. So I don't know why it seems to be given more importance in the comic than it does in the movie. Yeah. I don't know, man. He just, he, he ends up feeling like entirely he's superfluous to the entire story, but he feels like a joke by the end of it. Well, yeah, but, but like that's true in both cases, but in the case of the movie, black mask is a means to an end. In, th- in this, he's not even a means to an end. So it's just the mo- the story just forgets about him at some point. Uh, and yeah, just- he, he just keeps showing up to go, I'm bad, girl. I, I liked how uh, Judd Winnick had written the uh, the villains, particularly in this. I like actually how he wrote Black Hood. I liked uh, Mr. Freeze. And uh, I didn't like how he kind of wrote Joker, though. That was kind of odd. Well, he, yeah. he, he, clearly, he clearly didn't like it either because he fixed that in the movie. But- yeah. Yeah. Speaking of Freeze... Black Mask hires Mr. Freeze to kill it right hood. I love Mr. Freeze. Fucking pointless. Yeah, like no, I love Mr. Freeze too. It's just he he literally fucks off out of the story and never comes back. (laughs) Yeah, he doesn't really do anything. Like after just like of all one offs, like oh, Black Mask was somehow stockpiling crypto and kryptonite to sell to people, and then suddenly oh nope, that's over. (laughs) Yeah, and Mr. Freeze, I I don't know if. Like it's a problem I have or whatever, but I, I kind of don't like how Mister Freeze is portrayed in this as just being a fucking lunatic. Yeah, well, I mean that's a problem a lot of like writers who want to make him more villainous than he actually mm-hmm. like because like Heart of Ice has so firmly established what people think of as Mister Freeze in most cases. So when writers need to make him more venolo- venomous, not venomous, villainous. <laughs> <laughs> need to make him more venomous they give, like, you know, come out of snake DNA <laughs> whatever they do, want to make him more villainous they either make they either like fuck with his backstory in a way that just seems cruel or they just make him act in a way that seems counterintuitive and this goes with the latter yeah which again still not as bad as New 52 saying that uh, uh, Nora Freeze was never real and that he was just a psychopath in love with an ice statue which still pisses me off but. yeah <laughs> It's it's a bad sign when Gotham writes a character better than you do. Yeah. Because like I've talked about it before. The Gotham Mr. Free storyline is actually genuinely good TV. Oh, yeah. I was just saying Gotham's not good. Gotham is trash. <laughs> Gotham is even with Batwoman out the worst Batman TV series. We'll see whether or not the reboot fixes that, but I, I doubt it. <laughs> but anyway, continuing on. Hey, Nightwing's here. He won't be here for long. Yeah, I think he's actually in it less than in the movie, which is saying something because he was not in the movie much. Yeah, he's in. He's in this issue, and that's it. Yeah. Meanwhile, Mister Freeze. Fucks off. No, he's standing. Like he, attacks, he attacks Red Hood. That goes nowhere. Then he fucks off. <laughs> oh no! This is even before that. 
This is oh, when. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah th- this is this is when he was getting the armor done, and the scientist was like, oh, "I'm gonna be a dick to you." So he gets he gets a welding torch in his chest. He kills a lot of uh, black masks. Yeah, just a lot of black mask people. Yeah, at Black Mask, which is what I liked about it. He's like, oh, oh well, like he's just like he's disposable. Who cares? He's like, I like this guy. <laughs> yeah, I like this guy. He's mean. He's making me have to hire more people. That's good money. I, but, but like, it was just it was a weird relationship between the two because he kept saying like, I'm not working for you. I'm not taking orders. And Black Mask, yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't worry, I get it. By the way, I need you to do this thing for me. Yeah, it's a real Sundari <laughs> relationship there. Like what? He's like, kill this. He's a bunch of people for me. He's like, oh, okay, yeah, no problem. It's like, it's not like I work for you, Babaka. He's like, okay, cool, go murder these people. And he's like, yeah, all right. Yeah, that was yeah, so like this. This is like conflict for conflict's sake, and it amounts to nothing. Yeah, yeah. pretty much. <sighs> anyway, hey, there's a fight at a port. Is this a Batman storyline? Oh, yo. I don't know, man. Like it against against no against no one against fucking against Cobra. Well, yeah, against Cobra, and then for some reason, fucking Amazo. Yeah, like they're fucking Batman, like was, Batman, Nightwing fight. The movie and in the comic, I was just like, "Wait, what? Amazo? What?" Yeah, they fight a bunch. Of, they fight a bunch of dick bags. Oh my god, the Red Hood's there. Better run. Whoops, the Red Hood got away. Oh, is that Amazo? He reminds me, isn't isn't there the robot that basically does the same thing in the Fantastic Four that this character? It in isn't there a Marvel equivalent of something like this? Probably. I'm pretty sure there is. I can't remember the, the name of the person, but when I was reading this, I'm like, this seems very familiar. Like I know there's the uh that super scroll that's got the powers of the Fantastic Four, but there's also I thought like a like a robot or something that basically did the same thing. Like I guess there's been it's comics. I'm sure there must be different uh, interpretations of the same thing across like, you know, both companies of everything, right? But yeah. I, it just ran when I was reading it. I'm like, this seems like a Marvel thing. It seemed very out of place in this story. What Amazo? Yeah, that's because he is out of place in this. Well, yeah, because like he's a he's a Justice League level threat that Batman yeah. literally just takes out no problem. Yeah, Batman and Nightwing could take him out, took him out fucking easy. And this is a guy that gives fucking Superman run for his money. I'm like, fucking what? Yeah, that was a weird de- detour, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh my god, Superman! It's like the combined forces just like have trouble taking him down. Hey, Nightwing, stab him in the fucking ear, and like that works. I, I do not. Well, I I appreciated some of the Nightwing inner monologuing about how he how much he respected Batman. Oh yeah, like like Batman and Batman and Nightwing's like inner monologues talking about their relationship with each other is. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that was, that's good character work. It's just happening while something fucking stupid is happening. Uh, yeah, no, absolutely. I'm not. I'm. I'm right w- there with you guys. Like, um, in that sense, I'm. I'm just trying to pick out a couple of the things that I. I did enjoy. I guess about some of the. Um, yeah, like you said, some of the character work or whatever that was in this. But, um, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, but that was pointless. So then we move on to what's actually happening. I guess uh, Red Hood stole a bunch of kryptonite for Black Mask. He's trying to sell it back to him and getting to 
some inconsistency about goddamn artwork. Ooh. It's still Doug Mankey, but both Black Mask and the Red Hood's masks have changed in this in these next few panels. Which scene is this? Uh, th- this this is like a when Red Hood calls Black, Black Mask. Scene. Like I stole your shit. Now you're gonna pay me to get oh, it back. Oh yes. Yeah. Like, like at the start of it, Black Mask his eyes were just like white in like these white specks inside the inside the mask, and like the mouth, mouth barely moved. But now it just looks like. Now it just looks like his head just is a black colored skull with regular eyes in it. Yeah, it's almost then, as you could see that Doug Monkey was getting amping up to step away from the book like he does at this yeah, point. Yeah, and then and then Red Hood's mask was just smooth as hell. All detail that we fucking liked about it before is just gone. Yeah. And 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 I think that's when you see the other artists jump on the book afterwards, like that's that's something that they kind of went with is the how smooth it is. And and I really disliked when that was happening, like compared to like the detail that Doug Monkey I know is is uh, you know usually known for, uh, yeah, especially again, today. I would say his work is a little bit more detailed, right? So than it is here, but I mean, this whole part of the story, I I just blacked out. For, I remember it, but I just like, well, that was pointless. Yeah, like, this whole issue, it's like Batman. Like, Mr. Freeze shows up with some of Black Mask goons to get his stuff back. He fights briefly against Red Hood. It amounts to nothing. Yep. Batman shows up. They fight. It amounts to nothing. Mr. Freeze fucks off, and that's it. <laughs> I yeah, like that's basically the next issue. <laughs> I like how he just propels himself out of there. <laughs> yeah, because well, yeah, everyone remembers that from uh, Heart of Ice when he, like, <laughs> Hit the yeah. water with with the ice gun, and that created the ice food. But it's like apparently he could just do that anywhere. Yeah. Yep. Good, good like, use of uh, up, up and freeze away. Yeah. I, <laughs> yeah. I that. Just oh, there's a bit, there's a bit too many guns for me. Bye bye. <laughs> Although apparently they established he's basically bulletproof. Yeah. The he's the weapons there. He's entirely bulletproof. He just fucking like catches a goddamn like batarang fired from a grappling hook, and he's just like, you know what? I'm done with this. Freeze away. I, <laughs> I like that their reaction after that happens. Though Nightwing's just looking up and he's like slick. Yeah, <laughs> it's just like no, I mean, well, they, they wanted to avoid the obvious uh, Schwarzenegger pun. They didn't let him go. Yeah, cool. <laughs> they should have. Yeah. <laughs> and then yeah. and then and then yeah. off panel, just the Red Hood just left. Yeah, he, he just walked away, and then they're both like, "He's very good." Yeah, it's, I can't. What's the line? I can't remember where I heard this. So it's like, and then everyone walked away and agreed never to mention this ever again. <laughs> yeah, basically. The the other weird moment that we passed. Not I, even when when Batman Superman goes to see Clark and say, uh, "Hey, Clark, I found someone like trafficking stolen kryptonite. Maybe you should figure out where that's coming from." <laughs> yeah, kryptonite that switched from entirely green to the rainbow selection. Yeah, so people can make you gay and sickly at the same time. <laughs> The other weird oh, nothing's worse. Than, nothing's worse than the fucking sickly gay. Was Batman when he was basically when before they were? I know we passed the part where he fought Amazo, but prior to that, he says like he tells like Nightwing to stay sharp like five times. Yeah, <laughs> stay sharp, Dick Grayson, age twelve. It literally ended the issue with him just like saying "stay sharp" for like the third time. It was like, all right, <laughs> yeah, like like there, there was even a panel where it was like "stay sharp, stay sharp." Yeah, I know you said you liked the uh, inner monologue stuff, Nico, and I do too. It's just I feel like in the movie, uh, Bruce and, D- and Dick had better banter. 
that sure. I saw. Like, oh, definitely. Off each other. Part, part of that's because um, apparently he was played really well by Neil Patrick Harris, which was a surprise. Yeah, he, Neil Patrick Harris did a great job. I think it was him and Bruce Greenwood. Yeah, Bruce Greenwood, who we've always praised as uh, the third best Batman. Yeah. I think. Which is unfortunate, but it's true. Hey, with, with the amount of people who've played Batman, that's high praise. Especially, especially when the people in front of you are Kevin Conroy and fucking Michael, either Michael Keaton or, uh, or uh, depending on who you ask, uh, either no, I, yeah, I Conroy I, and Keaton, yeah, Conroy and Keaton, yeah. When those two people are ahead of you, you're fucking like being third's a happy place. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Yep, and after all that, we get an epilogue. Jason beats out the Joker with a crowbar because, you know, and he takes off the mask and, oh my god, it's a white guy with short hair and a domino mask. Who could it be? If you just this is the thing that actually kind of bugged me like when I first saw this panel, like I guess the page spread where I saw it and I'm like what is that, Jason? Because if you hadn't, if you haven't read uh, if you haven't read Hush then this design is about as generic as fucking possible, so there's no weight in this reveal. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, well, also, this is one of those things I feel like Winnick must have looked at when he was writing the movie version of the script. He's like, okay, this, this scene doesn't work because if the end goal was to get to Jason being mad at Bruce that he never killed the Joker, then the fact that he... Basically, from the start, Jason just had the Joker in his in his back room that he could just beat up whenever he wanted to, and he probably could have killed him whenever he wanted to. There's no real tension in that ending scene. <laughs> yeah, and I'm pretty sure, like that scene that the in that the epilogue that was him getting the Joker for the first time. Yeah, I think so. Because it was him walking into that room and then and then Joker going, going, hey, tell me who you are or I kill you. Because in this, the Joker looks like a fucking crack addict. It's very, yeah. it's very, very sad. Yeah, well, that, it, that's, the, that's the other thing that they fix, which I guess it depends on. I'm less, I'm more torn about this than I am about other changes he made. It seems like uh, Winnick decided that making the Joker as pathetic as he did throughout most of this story was a mistake. Yeah. So he definitely fixed that. And I feel like it, that works better in the case of the movie story because the idea is that the Joker is supposed to be this unpredictable piece of shit and that even criminals don't want to work with because he's so insane. But He's just weird and, and annoying in this. Yeah, he's man. so fucking flat, just yeah and it's not just just some fucking sad boy it's not hard to like i would think write a decent joker right i mean the character just kind of carries himself for all the the history i would think that these two characters have and like he didn't even have to you know there wasn't even that many moments with the joker in this story for it for him to screw it up this bad but i felt like he just was really not well represented in this at At all yeah 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 i didn't i didn't like his Joker. Like, yeah. I, like I, I really well, like his I mean, mask. Again, it, like, I just didn't. I really didn't like his Joker. It, it feels like, well, 
it's a matter of like conflicting goals. Like throughout the story, it seems like the goal is to have Jason basically treat the Joker like he's a worthless piece of shit that doesn't that doesn't deserve the like myth yeah. that surrounds him as a villain. But then at the end, they still have the dramatic build up to why did you never kill this piece of shit because he's the one who took me from you and all the other people he's hurt. But mm-hmm. those two goals, it like. Sure, you can like logically connect them, but like emotionally, that that there's a disconnect there when you do that yeah. because the result is just that if you've spent the entire story shitting all over how worthless this guy is, why are we supposed to be afraid of him and what he represents at the end? Yeah, well, it, was, not- it wasn't even the entire story shitting on him. It was it was just the fact that he wasn't in the story. He showed up once, got his ass fucking handed to him, and then isn't in it again till the end. Well, no, there is a scene actually in the middle that I don't get why it's there before the climax where Jason is just talking to the Joker saying, you're not really as crazy as you people seem to think you are. You're just kind of acting crazy to avoid the moral responsibility of your own actions. Right. Yeah, we'll get to that. But like, and to be fair to that point, though, that you made birdie, it's like I'm only I, I, that that like my opinions on on their relationship are more based on all the things I've seen up to and including even the thing that we just talked about recently, the three jokers that really just helped reinforce this relationship of them in this story. Like if this is the if this is the first story of the Red Hood coming back and him kind of saying how bothered he was with you know obviously what happened between the Joker and and Batman and him, uh, I didn't feel that this did a great job of 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 you know, introducing that idea, like uh, that maybe him having all the trauma and everything and all this kind of well, shit. That's partially because the, I, again, I, I feel like we're jumping around too much. I'm trying yeah. not to jump too far ahead of like dead, it. but like the, it's funny to me that, uh, and you can react to this, I guess, if you want to dead that apparently in like, I remember in the story, they're like, no, it's ludicrous. There's no way you could use the uh, Lazarus Prince to bring someone back from the dead. That's absurd. I know. We'll do it with a combination of Lazarus Pits and him not actually being dead because Infinite Crisis. That makes it nice and simple, right? We'll, we will get to that. <laughs> but anyway, let's move on to the second part of the storyline, the family reunion storyline, I guess. Hmm. <laughs> As the Red Hood is blowing up Black Mask shit, and Black Mask is bad, mad about it. Yeah. And despite it being Doug Mankey, it feels like a different artist. Yeah. Because once again, the design has kind of changed. Yeah. No, you're right. I As much as I still like him the best out of all the artists here, I, I, I got to agree with he you was, there. Yeah, he was falling the fuck in with this. Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, so as that's happening back in Gotham, Batman's flying around the world, talking to everybody he can about bringing the dead back to life. He's talking to Zatanna, talking to Jason Blood, talking to Green Arrow, because Green Arrow was dead for a while. Because, you know, he's a superhero. Everyone's been dead for a while. Mm-hmm. And yeah, this does take place after, uh, after Identity Crisis, because he's being a shit to Zatanna. Yeah, he just fucking walks off on her. <laughs> not, not even walks off. Just it's like I wanted to find someone I could trust, but I had to settle for you. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> Takes off in his plane. Yeah, yeah. Though that's that scene bothered the fuck out of me. It's like 
so you called her because you needed some like magic expertise, but you apparently were still pissed at her because I guess because he knows about identity crisis. That's the only reason I'd imagine that 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 scene is played the way it is. But if you're that, if you trust her that little, why the fuck did you call her in the first place? There are other magic people you could probably call to ask about this. Because it's uh, Batman is the chance they got the history. <laughs> you know? Like, I, like I remember, as, as Nico pointed out, the fucking Zatanna fight was... Not Zatanna fight. The, the, the Zatanna part from Identity Crisis was one of the worst parts of that story. So bringing it up again here just kind of irritated me. <laughs> yep, and it's not brought up at all with Green Arrow. No. Because despite being part of it... Help that that this scene is also wrong based on what they explain, how this actually happened later. <laughs> yeah. But we won't get to that. Yeah. He's just going around trying to fucking talk to anybody about coming back from li- coming back from the dead and getting goddamn nothing. That's what was disappointing about that. I was like, this is kind of an interesting conversation to be having. I mean, like in, in, in the, in the sense that it is a comic and yeah, there has been a lot of unexplainable type shit that has happened in comics. And then yeah, it's a man of science. I, I, I dug that idea. Yeah. The, the fact they were actually like addressing the fact that everyone yeah. dies. Yeah. I really, really dug that idea. But like you said, it ultimately didn't really lead to anything more than that. And that's what was ultimately disappointing for me. But I, but as an idea, I thought that was actually pretty interesting. I thought yeah. I was, I was like, that's cool. I, you know, I, I, even to connect it to like Superman dying in the nineties and all that. Like, I was like, okay, this is kind of, I, I really dug that idea. Yeah. I think it was done a bit better. Um, when, uh, when Damien died recently, like a couple years back, Right. They they kind of did that thing again where it, where like Batman was like running around tr- like talking to different people about coming back from the dead. He like actually like knocked out and then started dissecting Frankenstein. Yes, in the Tomasi Batman and Robin uh, book. Yeah, that's right. Yes, yes. Yeah, I recall that. Yeah, that was uh, that was the. I mean, Tomasi. I really love his Batman stuff. Yeah, so, like, yeah. like I, I feel like that was like a a like much better executed version of that idea. Yes. Yeah. For well, sure. I also love Tomasi's Superman stuff, but that's not yes. here. <laughs> yeah. Tomasi's a good writer. Yeah, yeah, yeah he's solid. Fuck you, Bendis. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, back in Gotham. Sorry. Onyx, everyone's favorite character. Oh, yeah, this, I was going to bring this up. Who the fuck? <laughs> I don't know. I genuinely I have ask, no idea. I was going to ask you guys. <laughs> I looked it up, and I've... she from the Outsiders, or... Like? No, she was apparently from the League of Assassins, uh, oh. apparently, and she somehow reformed with Green Arrow. And Her bio is here. Now she's world. apparently... She worked briefly as a bodyguard for a character I've never heard of. And then she fucking disappeared for years until she came back to help a character I'd never heard of. And she's not been seen since. Yeah. Her main, like from the looks of it, she mainly had an appearance in war games. Yeah. So the story before this, so nothing else. Like is, is she somebody that he created and that's why he wanted to include No, I don't think so. I think she's been around longer than that based on the pictures I've seen. Yeah. She was, she was created by, uh, According to dc.fandom.com, uh, Joey Cavalieri and Jerome Moore. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, uh, she, she first appeared in 1985. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> so, you know, so 
prior to yeah. Crisis on Infinite Hurts. Okay. Yeah, the she appeared in Detective Comics 546. She, the importance they put on her in this, though, was ludicrous. It was just like, she's she's one of the only other people that Batman lets fight crime in Gotham. I'm like, who is this? Yeah. It's like, <laughs> like, other than him and Nightwing. That's what they yeah. said. It, yeah. I was like, the only what? person lo- that Batman allows to fight crime in Gotham. This bald lady. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, and it, and she doesn't leave the story in a particularly graceful manner either, because uh, the last thing we see is that she's being pointlessly, cruelly stabbed in the shoulder by yeah. Jason Todd. No, <laughs> well, we'll get we'll get to that. But yeah, she's she's here fighting drug dealers, and then whoops, Doodles Red Hood shows up. He's also fighting drug dealers. Next issue, we now have moved on to artist Paul Lee. Ooh, bad, bad, yeah, bad, 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 <laughs> like kind it's of like, immediately. Yeah. Yeah. Like, 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 if, this, like, if this is the art I'm thinking of from around this time. Yeah. No, I hated the art in this one. I was like, like, of, looking, like looking at the first page, it's actually kind of a hilarious journey because we get like the background and then we get like the shot of black mass. It's like, okay, that looks all right. Next, get the shot of the bat wing and Batman is like, okay, it looks pretty good. Then Onyx reaction face. Red Hood design. Oh, fuck. We're doomed. Yeah. And then they get to that scene with the guys like messing up the office and there's like no back. I'm just like, this is this is not good. <laughs> like no background. Yeah, like, holy Very fuck. Basic, weird, like looking characters. Like I was the just, helmet like, is just a single piece of ceramic with white dots drawn on it. Yeah, yeah. I didn't like it. Like, it holy just, fuck. It is terrible. Yeah have this person follow even some of the inconsistent monkey you got towards the end of his first few issues here it just it did it was not a good mix between this artist and the and the and the monkey yeah i i, I don't get it it's yeah, not, a, not a fan yeah so the two of them are gonna be looking at, or looking at drug dealers and going okay we're gonna take him out meanwhile a bunch of dumbasses are f- fucking destroying an office building for some reason and batman's there <laughs> well yeah apparently the, i would have assumed that um i don't know maybe maybe criminals are just more stupid and got in in uh metropolis because they're not like inherently scared of superman the way people are of batman but that that was still kind of hilarious where trailer where clark was like you had you just had to stop a robbery you couldn't have just like called me and said, Hey, let's go out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't. Yeah. Because this is a metropolis and I don't, I, I don't. What was the point of that? I don't know. Like, I guess people, there's this like, this is actually kind of a theme that they, sometimes people come back to over and over. It's just the idea that, I don't know, maybe occasionally, it just whatever Bruce and Clark meet on the job, it somehow has to involve crime in some way. Like they can't just meet up somewhere and talk. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that was that was the only reason Batman went to got to to Metropolis because he needed to talk to Clark. Yeah, so. I need to go find my best friend. I could call him, or I could wait for a robbery. <laughs> Shall we catch a show? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I would have killed to see Clark and Bruce at a show talking about this shit. <laughs> yeah, that would have been genuinely great. 
like Clark shows up like, hey, I got theater tickets. And then and like they go there and the seats are like fucking like the middle of the goddamn pit. And he's like, yeah, fuck this. I'm just I'm going to just buy the theater and go sit in the booth. No, like, no, like Clark can't get tickets. So he's trying to like reason with the guy and they're like, oh, shit, Mr. Wayne. Oh, your usual boxer, of course. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> like that's some Tomasi shit right there. but no it has to be the dumbest way possible speaking of dumb (laughs) hey the red hood is the red hood he's right next to me we're gonna go fight criminals let's do it and he i I do not get uh, the fucking art of him jumping off the goddamn rafters i know (laughs) he's like superman like the first panel is like there is no panel of him actually jumping off it's him dropping it's him dropping a flashbang then he is superhero flying downwards from the catwalk they're on and then he is landing like a he's then he's falling down like a bat like a bat character yeah (laughs) it looks it's so bad (laughs) yeah and then onyx sees all this and goes we let's go because she's a fucking moron yeah, but particularly that, like, by the end of it, she's like, okay, we're friends now, right? Stab. Yeah. Oh, shit, my shoulder. No, but, like, it was funny because they first told you how important she is, or sort of, and then she and then she tries to call Batman, and he's just like... Yeah, and Batman's like, fuck off, bitch, I'm busy. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm just like, I'm like, oh, yeah, she's real important. <laughs> What's that? Happen? I was like, yeah, she's real important here. Yeah, it's like, hey, boss, I found the Red Hood. There's lines for emergencies only, you fucking idiot. <laughs> <laughs> he's like do you know where he is he's like no and he's like oh then fuck off <laughs> I need to go interview my co- I need to go interview my co-workers about when they died and they're all and some of them are gonna be weirdly pissy with me I don't get that yeah speaking of he's now talking to Superman about how he died yeah. which as Superman points out isn't actually when he died because he wasn't dead he was in a state that mirrored death yeah, and every time they explained that I was that they weren't actually dead, I, I part of me just inwardly cringed because it's always like, oh yeah, that's right, that was the explanation. God damn yeah, it. and and then and then Bruce is like, you fucking dumbass, that's bullshit. <laughs> like he he just it's like it was the Bruce, Bruce is the sick of the convoluted nature of DC Comics as much as we are. Yeah, like holy shit, that is. That, that's kind of my favorite bit in this entire in this entire storyline. Yeah, well, I mean that that whole conversation with Clark was one of the my, one of the highlights of stuff that wasn't just in the the movie. Because basically, any scene that's in here that was in the movie, the movie does better. But yeah, but they, oh man, I I kind of love this. No, I did too. And it just, just would have been funnier if it was at a show. With yeah, just exactly. Mark and Bruce. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or, or like the two of them just like going out to dinner. So interesting thing. I I was trying to see like who this Paulie person was because I've never really heard of them. I don't think or seen maybe some of the other work. I was trying to see what else they've done. This was his first work for DC Comics. This this. How did he get uh, that job? I don't, I don't know. Well, he I don't was, know. Like Paul Galassi worked for DC for years, despite no obvious talent, but. <laughs> Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to. He. I mean, he had a long, like a ten year career prior to this. It looks like he did mostly Vertigo stuff prior to this. Oh, maybe, maybe that was like to give him a 
Well, Vertigo's linked to DC. So yeah, yeah, Vertigo's a DC imprint. This was the main DCU, like, first book he worked on. Uh, prior to this, though, he just did some Vertigo stuff, it looks like, and then not much else after this, so... Huh. Yeah, uh, well, know, some man. people... If we go by the art in this book, some people just can't cut it in the industry. <laughs> no, and but speaking like, of art... Yeah. <laughs> as we cut back to Onyx and the Red Hood, as they are eagerly swan diving into bullets, and they're somehow being missed. <laughs> okay, J- how many of you guys have your gun set to miss? <laughs> no, but it's the pose that they. Well, no, that makes it, it does make it worse with the pose. But it's like, yeah, it's sort of it reminds me of the spirit where the spirit like launched himself fist first down ten stories and somehow did like <laughs> splat. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's you know listen it, it's comics i gotta let like you know some disbelief go here well, but it, it also doesn't help in the context of the spirit doesn't help and i would have now that i'm thinking of it i could imagine that line being said in the context of this comic uh, yeah and it. and then after that it's just an entire page of high kicks <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> like every single like every single hit like the, the action of this has absolutely no flow to it whatsoever yeah like What's it's it, it's just it's just like hard cut panels to like the next fucking keyframe with nothing in between. Yeah. So it's just all right. Swan dive. I'm kicking someone, and then oh, I'm kicking someone too. Oh, and then I'm kicking a different person. I'm gonna yeah. kick down the door. Well, I mean, this is hardly the first time dead we've encountered an artist who didn't get like the flow to like combat of this type, but this is just one of the worst examples. Oh yeah, and then like immediately after that, it there's. Her kicking down the door is maybe the worst panel in this <laughs> because it's her in the air, both feet in the door. The door flies off the hinges. She is somehow wider than the door she has kicked down. And then meanwhile, the red hood is running at an angle. That means he is running dead to camera, but in an angle to the actual door. So his actual position doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And he is posed and drawn like he is introducing himself on the cover of Detective Comics back in the 30s. <laughs> well put. Yeah, and I'm looking at the panel right now. It's, it's terrible. It is horrendous. And he pulls out a minigun and murders everyone. Woo! <laughs> and somehow, this surprises Onyx. Yeah, the, I, if, if the goal was to make her seem, like, cool... They, yeah, failed. they failed. <laughs> yep. The only thing they see that is make her look like a fucking dumbass because she didn't realize she about, she didn't even realize she was stabbed. Yeah, that's like how, how do you, like how do you not realize you have a knife wound in your shoulder? <laughs> More importantly, how do you give someone a knife wound in the shoulder when you are holding a gun the size of you? Yeah, I don't know. Because like, unless he is literally like balancing on that thing while laying on his stomach. There was no way his arm could have got close enough to actually stab her. Yeah, that too. Because she's, she's up against a bunch of wooden crates, and the gun, like I said, is like five and a half feet long. Yeah, I know. I'm not disagreeing with you. No, I'm, 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 paint, I'm, painting a verbal, I'm painting a picture for the audience. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> well, then once you're done painting your picture, I have something to say. Oh, and also this. the Red Hood uh, gains and then loses a big black square of one of his eyes like Deadpool. Just out of just, I think it's supposed to be a shadow, but it makes no sense. It's so bad. <laughs> it's really bad. 
But like that's an that, that's an inking problem, not a not a penciling problem. Yeah. So you're gonna say, Bertie? Uh, just that. Um, I remember when we were talking about three Jokers, we talked about problems we had with characterization of Jason and other stories, and how uh, Nico was pointing out that this is the version of Jason that most people remember and like use as the basis for stuff. Yeah. And one thing I don't know if this just came up in other stories, and I just forgot about it. I'm glad future stories toned down the pointless sadism because there's a lot of moments in this that were not in the movie where, where it's just like, he's just being like pointlessly cruel to people for no real apparent reason. Yeah. And that's kind of a, even for like a tortured anti-hero type character, that's a hard trait to pull off. Yeah. It's like, I'm here, clean, I'm, here, I'm here to clean the streets doing what Batman won't do. Let me just sever this guy's head. Yeah, and they kind of like just gloss over that. Like that's why I wanted to point it out because when he threw a duffel bag full of heads of all the crime boss leads at the start, there, I was like, I was like, I'm like, I you know, because I know Red Hood, he, that's his like like Birdie just said that that's been his thing for a bit there, where it's just like I'll do what Batman won't, and I'll kill people and shoot people and all this kind of shit. But I just I still found that shocking. I was like, yeah. whoa. I was like, there was like 20 heads. It seemed like that fucking bag. Yeah, it was, it was packed. It was full of bursting. I was like, okay, I can hold a lot of heads, but but, you know, it's not like, and and, you know, again, again, it's, there's being stories focused more on that kind of stuff uh, from this point on uh, where Batman more criticized them for the, you know, for that kind of stuff. But in this, they don't really, I, I feel address that in this story. It's more about, how he wronged him, right? Yeah. So, yeah, so. All right, next issue. Art immediate uptick. Because we're back with Doug Mankey. Yeah. As Batman finally realizes, oh, wait, Onyx might be in trouble. (laughs) And yeah, pointless sadism time as he's just constantly talking about how like, oh, yeah, I fucking got that like, oh, yeah, I stabbed you in the exact spot of an old shoulder injury because I knew it would hurt the most. It, again, why? Because <laughs> he's cool. It, it isn't. <laughs> I know. <sighs> then Batman shows up. And it's the scene from the beginning. Yeah. Where Batman goes full just cause and uses a rocket booster to fire a dumpster at the Red Hood. <laughs> which that which I'm glad that was a dumb thing from the comic that stayed in the movie because it was funny whenever it happened. Yeah. <laughs> like one of my favorite scenes that was in the movie but not in the comic was when he's when he and Jason are fighting those cyber assassins and he sticks a thruster on the back of one of them that sends him rocketing off again like Team Rocket. <laughs> I'm blasting off again. Wee. <laughs> <sighs> that scene's not in this because, well, that would be getting ahead. I'll get to it because one of the, we're getting close to one of the identity, cri- not identity, I- infinite crisis tie-ins. That's also one of the stupidest parts of this book. <laughs> yep. 
So yeah, that fight happens as we saw it happen. Mm-hmm. Then Jason blows his helmet up and leaves. And Batman is yeah. sad. Like blows it up full on, like what's that what's that line from um uh uh I hate myself. Can't remember the name of the book. Total movie, Total Recall. It's like, get ready for a surprise. Yeah, basically. <laughs> oh yeah, just yeah. two weeks. <laughs> that woman's head. That <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. I couldn't stop thinking of that when that happened. So that I know that scene was supposed to be like somewhat surprising. I just kept laughing at it. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the end of the first half of the story. Then Omac happens. Yeah, that's just out of nowhere. Yeah, I didn't realize that until, this, until I read well, that. Well, yeah, I mean, it makes sense because sure. OMAC happened in between Identity Crisis and Infinite Crisis. That was, so, count, was, that was part of Countdown, I think. Uh, to uh, uh, it, was, it was Countdown to Infinite Crisis, yeah. yeah. It was yeah. one of the miniseries tying into that. Yep. It's still stupid that it's here. <laughs> uh-huh. And then we jump back into the storyline with our next bit of things. Uh, show me yesterday for I can't find today. Once again, Winnick and Mankey. It starts out with, I guess. Well, apparently they buried Jason in an unmarked grave. And the Waynes yeah. have people standing guard around their graves at all times. Yeah. Yeah. Which actually makes less sense than in the movie where they just said, oh, the Wayne family has their own private plot where they can bury people as they wish. Yeah, I thought they it's, did because at the beginning of this fucking story, Bat- like, or, like, or not, not the beginning of this story, I'm sorry, I'm confusing it with two Jokers or three Jokers, but like, mm-hmm. it's been established that they have fucking plot on their goddamn property. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I, I thought that, and that just made more sense in the comic, in the movie, but the comic was like, no. No, Apparently we buried we buried Jason in an unmarked grave in a public cemetery. You know the dignity my son needed. Yeah, I also, and, and yeah, instead of like doing the thing that that's supposed to do, where like you never tell anyone that the, that the thing's there, you instead hire someone to watch the grave twenty four seven, thus drawing undue attention to the unmarked yeah. grave. You don't want people to know about <laughs> exactly. Right, and not only that, the fact that he'd actually put somebody else in danger ahead of himself. Like, what is that person going to do that Batman couldn't do? Like, after like hearing about some desecration to this family's like gravesite, like so that's what made even less sense to me because I'm like, why would he put other people in danger to guard whatever 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 villains are going to come and do something to these guys? Right, so like I just I thought he was actually it was actually him putting people in danger in a sense because like if anybody's going to come and attack his family if they know who he is like the type of people he's going to put in the line of fire despite the, if that's their job or not i felt was kind of irresponsible actually yeah right well it's just it's just clearly just one of those things like the writer didn't think about yeah unfortunately it, that, that's totally what this reads like it's like they needed a scene to like draw that like the grave is hidden from like prying eyes speaking and of it, the it just, it just didn't occur to Winnick until he got to the second to the his second try at this story that oh it would just make much more sense for the super rich billionaire who owns a lot of land in Gotham to just have his own private graveyard rather than to like pay someone to watch an unmarked grave. Yeah. <laughs> also, speaking of stupid writing things, after a brief flashback showing how Batman met Jason when Jason tire jacked the goddamn Batmobile. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We then see Batman examining Jason's coffin. 
It's like I got three sensors in here. They're impossible to remove. This thing was made by like an by like a fucking dick bag, awesome goddamn art like carpenter or whatever. No one could have gotten out of this. There's never a body even in it. Ah. Just I, <sighs> and the explanation as to why that is just comes back to essentially waving the magic hand of infinite crisis. Essentially, well, no, not even that. It's dumber than that. Which we'll get to. Yeah. More flashbacks showing Jason Todd was a bit of a shit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know, man. Batman learns there's never been a body inside that coffin. Blah, 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 blah. Next up, drug dealers and idiots. Just, it's. (sighs) Yeah, the entire middle of this story, because it doesn't have the like structure and pacing of the movie, it just feels so muddled and random almost because stuff just kind of happens. Yeah. (laughs) It's just, there's just all of a sudden just a group of drug dealers who are like, yo, fuck these fucking super people what are they gonna do i'm fucking i'm fucking devon tracksuit i'm fucking awesome oh god is that a bomb fuck <laughs> and then it, yes fucking he blows up a building and after something completely different he blows up a truck and then shoots a bunch of people and then black mask remember him yeah. No, not really. His mask has changed once again, so it now looks like it's made out of a melted trash bag. <laughs> <laughs> and he's also a fucking joke. Because Red Hood finds well, his I compound. Mean, yeah, this Sorry, is that, that, he's, he's, he's yeah. a bit of a joke in both versions of this story, but like the degree to like which he's like played up as like a comedically pathetic crime boss in this kind of undercuts why he's given so much focus. Yeah. Particularly after like the war game story and previous stories which set him up as, yeah, he's not as psychopathic as a lot of Batman's other villains, but he's still kind of effective as a mob boss. But nope, not here. I, I don't know how he took over Gotham in this case. <laughs> I'd have to read war games, I guess. Yeah, I, I don't know, man. He doesn't seem like he could hold together a single crime family, let alone all crime families. Yep. Real Gotham vibes. Because I don't understand how a single fucking crime lord in that fucking show was able to run, would, would, would be able to be, able, would be able to run a fucking like mid traffic subway. <laughs> yeah, this, this entire fucking issue and apparently Black Mask's purpose of the story was to bring in Deathstroke so we could introduce him to the fucking society of supervillains. Yeah, and just also include three random jobbers to fight the Red Hood. Yep. And which is weird because this it's technically the same thing that happens in the movie where they have like jobbers brought in as assassins to kill the Red Hood. I don't, I don't know, somehow like a, a a group of like themed cyber assassins makes much more sense to me than these three random Z-list supervillains. Yeah, because the, the, the fucking cyber assassins, like, for one thing, they have a cohesion of design among the actual unit. 
<laughs> it, and for it, another it, thing, we aren't going through the goddamn dregs of D-list goddamn DC characters. Right. I, I will say, though, that I, <laughs> this did offer the funniest joke I felt of the whole story when they're talking about it, whether or not Hyena is a woman. <laughs> <laughs> Where he's like, where he's yeah. like, uh, hyena kind of looks like a girl from the back. <laughs> Black Mass is the death stroke. And he's like, I was just thinking the same thing. They're like checking him out. And then like later it turns out that like Batman refers to him as a guy. So <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know, man. Fuck. I mean, I think, I think hyenas are actually hermaphroditic. So that doesn't really matter one way or the other. But in either case, I like. I guess credit to Winnick. I, I have liked his writing in other sc- stories because he has like a good ear for dialogue. It's just not this one. Not, not here. No. <laughs> yeah, he usually, I thought had more snappier dialogue than this. Yeah, This is more like the, the stuff that pissed people off. Like the story yeah. where he killed off the Titans unnecessarily. Yeah. As we move on to chapter 10 and Doug Mankey came back or did he dun dun dun? Cause this doesn't look like fucking Doug Mankey. Cause he changed all of his designs. Again. <laughs> Black Mask now just is a dude. <laughs> like, he looks like he has a fucking dental dam in to keep his fucking lips back. Yeah. <laughs> I fucking hate it. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so we, yeah, so society was like, hey, we're going to send people to take out the Red Hood. And they sent, and they sent fucking Hyena and Captain Nazi. Which also, to some extent, uh, warranted the same reaction to me from when Onyx Grip, who? Yep. He's, he's Captain Nazi. Who's apparently a Captain Marvel villain. Which, which That makes sense. Me. <laughs> that actually makes 100% sense. Because, <laughs> like, of, of every character who's been around since World War II, Captain Marvel makes the most sense to be still fighting guys from World War II. Yeah, I guess. And I think that is entirely because every time they go back to Captain Marvel recently, it, it's always felt like the it's always felt like it's been in like a fifties throwback world. And you know, story set in the fifties is always about hey, here's the secret Nazi thing they're working on. You gotta stop it. So they find Red Hood very easily. And it's a big old fucking brouhaha as Batman shows up and saves Red Hood. And then that's the fight. I Count Vertigo shows up. Do you remember Count Vertigo? Yeah. Well, yeah. actually, I do remember Count Vertigo, like and he's Vertigo. usually a bigger threat than this. <laughs> yeah. All he, all he does is make the background Technicolor, and then that's about it. Yeah, I, I, to Birdie's point, I think uh, I think Count Vertigo is a pretty actually uh, a pretty powerful villain in in the right hands. Or oh no, yeah, villain. in the right hands, definitely with these yeah. two fucking jackasses. Yeah, yeah, for sure. To pull out a really stupid phrase, it's a joke I'm very ashamed of. Just I'm the biggest shitterton. Let's go, dude. <laughs> yeah, Red Hood. I guess kills Captain Nazi. Yeah. God, these guys fucking suck. (laughs) 
And not even in a way that like elicited a reaction from me, like the way he killed um one of those assass- those cyber assassins where he like injected a taser directly into the guy's eye laser in a way that like fried his eyes and his brain. That at least elicited a reaction from me. I didn't really get any kind of reaction out of this death. Yeah, no, it just it happened, then he's dead. And oh no. You think they thought of Doug Monkey for this because of his work on the mask? Maybe they're like, hey, you know who draws a lot of masks? Doug Monkey. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's I just I mean, we also established when we read through the first omnibus that Doug Monkey's art is not always consistent, even in the well, mask. But well, that was er that that he evolved throughout that book, though, to be fair. Oh like, yeah, and he's devolving throughout this one. <laughs> it's just because he he yeah like he's best when he's at, able to add a lot of detail to his work i, I mean, feel like i mean cutting look, a lot of corner i mean you go to the next issue look at bruce wayne's face when he's opening the mail yeah but yeah so apparently some new wrinkles into the bat family they have a book tradition or some bullshit yeah uh uh, okay, this 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 is another thing that had me going full Saitama. Oh, okay. Yeah, just like in any other story, I might find this interesting because I like details that add to the this Bat family feeling like a family. Yeah, and not like stupid details like how Batman hates rock and roll. Yeah, that's dumb. But like, <laughs> but like having like a you know father to son passed down tradition of like collecting first edition books. That <laughs> seems like something a rich family would do. Yeah, particularly uh, a a rich family with a son obsessed with knowledge like Bruce. Yeah. So that is 100% cool. Means nothing really in this. Nope. As he gets a call, as Batman gets a call from Alfred as he was fighting a robot. Yeah, I guess. (laughs) Is that Nomak? I, I don't know. Um, it's, got the, it's, got the brother, it's got the brother I look at symbol on it. I got a mohawk. Possibly. I, I'm trying to care about this part of the story, dead man, but the Fair entire enough. middle is. is <laughs> yeah, so. I, was, well, I think I was making dinner while I was reading this the first time. <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> so we'll find out what's in the package later as we cut to Black Mask murdering all of his men because the Red Hood did something. Yeah. You know, versus all the other times he did something. Yep. And in the box is the Joker's hair. Turns out what you trying to They're intercutting between this stuff, man. I... Don't care. Yep. Turns out what the Red Hood did was just signing a contract with Black Mask saying, yeah, let's work together, I guess. Which is immediately thrown out. It yep. has no long consequences. So just yep, because they both immediately start to kill each other. <laughs> Beat the piss out of each other. Whoops, the doodles. Red Hood's dead. No, he's not. It's just some guy. Then a bomb goes off. That's about it. I can't fucking care. Yeah. Especially because now we're into Eric Battle. Who fucking who is fucking trash? Yeah, yeah. Oh, the art here. Uh, uh, Horrible Joker. I know I said inconsistent before, <laughs> but I, this was the part where I was like, just 
Yeah, so, I don't know who I hated worst. I when I first seen the last one, Paul Lee, I thought that he was probably the worst. But then there are certain moments that this artist, just the way he makes some of the characters look, that was equally, if not worse, than the last artist. I don't know. He, yeah, he, he's horrible Joker, <laughs> horrible <looking> Joker. <laughs> Oof. Yeah, and yeah. Black Mask is also real shit because apparently the trash bags have started to fucking rot more. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Yeah, Hood explodes. And then this is... I believe this is the part you mentioned earlier with... Uh, with Jason just... With Jason just like fucking 13th grade... Like thir- like year, like 13-year-old next leveling him. Yeah, no. This feels like one of those writers who's like... Oh, the Joker, he ain't shit. I can tell you why the Joker ain't shit. I'm going to tell you why I'm I'm the shit and you're not. And it's just... It's so juvenile and it doesn't feel like it, it it doesn't feel like it comes from a like a place of legitimate hatred or spite just by the way it's written. Yeah. And given the given how it plays out, I I don't I given how it plays out, I don't get why Jason's so mad. But I, I, it just feels like it feels like you're just being a whiny little bitch. Yeah. It just <laughs> As Batman and Jason meet in Crime Alley, Batman leaving Black Mask in the most easily escapable trap imaginable. Yeah. It's like, oh no, I can't, like, jump. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, a standing long jump? That's impossible. As they go to fight, and then suddenly the art gets increasingly better as we then cut to a few panels from Infinite Crisis. As mm-hmm. Chemo is dropped onto Bloodhaven. Yeah, I forgot that that's how Infinite Crisis started. <laughs> and there's a fucking massive explosion that turns Batman into a vampire for a hot second, I guess, based on that fucking cape. Like, goddamn. Yeah, but this is another one of the Infinite Crisis tie-ins. I'm like, well, did we really need this here? Because it just seems to like slow down the pacing of the climax. Because essentially Bruce tries to leave to go help deal with the infinite crisis situation. And and Jason's like, no, you are staying here and we are resolving this. At which point I was like, resolving what? (laughs) But Nightwing, fuck Nightwing. Also really ugly looking Batmobile. Like, I don't know what's going on in that that panel. But like, I know cars are hard for some artists to draw. And I think this is one of those artists that shouldn't be drawing. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, yeah, and to be fair, you know what? I'd probably say the other artist was worse because it, this guy's style is just weird looking. I don't think it's that he doesn't know how to draw, but it's just like his style is very like I don't know. I just don't like his style at all. This artist, I yeah, it's really bad. Yeah, I, I think he's got more skill than the other artist the, the um, that we mentioned, but Paul Lee. But I, he's just. Uh, yeah, it's just not good looking for whatever reason. Yeah, they yeah, so they fight and fight and things get bad. Oh, he's got a he's got a rope with some goo on it. I don't care. Yeah, it's just a it's just a big fucking fight that's drawn poorly. Yeah. And what and I really should care cuz I'm pretty sure this is the actual like fight from Yeah, this the is the fight. The movie and it, I don't know. It just felt better handled there. 
Yeah. Like the reasons all this is happening is it feels so forced, which I didn't think I would have to like complain about in this, but it did somehow after all the, the quote unquote buildup and establishment and characterization, this ending still feels forced in this story. Really disappointing. Yeah. Like it's, it's, yeah. Like you, like we started off the show here. I think ultimately, I think we all like this. Yeah. Again, this was very middle of the road, mediocre, uh, inconsistent in art and story. I thought there was tidbits of interesting things, but it's well, just, sure. uh, yeah. Like Judd Winnick thought so too. He used a lot of them in a much better version of this, the, the movie. Which yeah. You can listen to with our commentary track now at Death Cross. <laughs> yes. Yeah, and so it's the final scene of that movie. Joker's tied up, and Damien's, and sorry, I said Damien, and Jason. Similar gonna, level of shit. Yep, and Jason's going to kill him, unless Batman kills him first. And he's like, Which why haven't you ass. killed him? He so fucking sucks. And then Batman's like, and Batman is just, I could, but that would be too easy because, you know, morality and stuff. Yeah, and again, that was one of the best speeches of this story mm. clear and i like it as a as a story beat as to why bruce has never allowed himself to just kill the joker which is why i don't get why everyone yeah. thought that's that it, issue an injustice where everyone where clark just imagined is a story where bruce killed joker and then everything was fine that's that you know, to your point, Bertie, that you keep bringing up about the uh, the the animated movie, which he was also involved in, uh, Judd Winnick, which is a much better representation of this story. You could tell the bare bones of like a decent Batman story are here within this. Like it's like, but it's just it's not. Yeah, I mean, it's it, not even just the bare bones. Whole scenes between this and the movie are identical. They just work better in the movie. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> It's just, I feel that this should be much better. I was ultimately just disappointed because, like, this is one of those stories, again, that people uh, point to and say it's like, a, you know, like uh, an essential reading of Batman and this character, Jason Todd, like his return. And it just ultimately, it just didn't hit the mark, I felt for me. Like, I th- I was expecting this to be much better. And, like, even, you know, even like uh, a middling, like, uh, mediocre kind of Batman story, it, it, you know, can be fine depending on, uh, you know, like like the last one we just talked about right it, it, yeah. I, I might at times to be that was a little bit more tighter ultimately than this no, I, that, that, that's better than that's better than this because yeah yeah that at least felt like a story even if it a similar issue problem with both the middle doesn't matter yeah <laughs> yeah yeah it's that's, just, that's just in this case the middle is goes over what like five or ten issues yeah yeah <laughs> Oh, well, so, yeah, Batman, in the easiest takedown of his entire fucking career, throws one Batarang from out of frame and wins. And mm. from the looks of it, just fucking killed Jason. This is what yeah, I was- Okay, they made this a little bit more clear in the okay. uh, movie that they okay. got him in the shoulder. Whereas in this, it looks like it just hit him in the fucking head. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, it, like yeah, it 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 jammed itself like right in like where the like where the shoulder meets the neck and just started bleeding out profusely. Yeah, and then he's just like he disappears like into the night, and then it's like I'm like, was that the end? Like- oh no, he, not even just, he didn't disappear <laughs> into the night. The Joker shoots the bomb he was strapped to, and the building blows up, and then that's the end. 
Yeah, but like mm-hmm. he must have disappeared into the night. <laughs> like, what happened to him here? <laughs> like, yeah, I don't know, man. <laughs> like, like, I I was just so un. I I I really didn't like the ending. Of this. Well, yep, and then you're, from there, you're confused at this point. Until we get to the issue that explains how he got here. <laughs> As we get to the issue that explains how he got here, uh, Batman Annual 25. Yeah. Oh. Titled Daedalus and Icarus, The Return of Jason Todd. Oh, I hated this issue. <laughs> so, after being beaten to death and exploded in a foreign country, Super Bitch Prime punches reality so hard he doesn't die. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. it. As, as, yeah, as part of Infinite Crisis. Um, oh, okay, I'll let you finish. I'll yeah, so something. in Infinite Crisis, for those who don't know, the main kind of thrust of Infinite Crisis is Earth 2 Superman and Lois Lane, the older ones, Earth 3 Lex Luthor, Alexander Luthor, and Superboy Prime from Earth Prime. They they had been existing in this little pocket of, in this pocket outside reality where they were living after their worlds had fucking died because of reasons. And during that time, Superboy, in his infinite wisdom, decided, I'm going to punch reality and get out of it. And doing that caused things to happen. One of those things being changing time so that, di- so that a Jason Todd didn't die. Except not really. Because despite the fact that he didn't die... He still had a tombstone and was still buried in the coffin. Yeah. And also we see that his gravestone is marked because his gravestone says here lies Jason Todd and no one is guarding it. Mm-hmm. So Jason wakes up in a coffin. Great continuity. Yep. So Jason wakes up in a coffin. Uh, the bride's his way out before eventually stumbling and getting hit by a car. And take him to a hospital where it's revealed he's brain dead. Essentially. Yeah, until... Uh, until he isn't. Yeah, until he's put it... And this, and this is again... Uh, I, this is another thing oh, I put in Oh, holy shit, I just the, noticed uh, that. Holy fuck. I'll get to it in a second. Uh, there was another thing I put in the chat as I finished reading this that drew my ire is... Uh, some stories really need to remember kiss and this is one of them that really needs to remember keep it simple stupid yep because the multi-tiered convoluted way they bring jason back in this story is kind of more frustrating particularly because at earlier in the story they said no you can't use the lazarus pits to bring someone back from the dead that's absurd Instead, we need to have someone punch reality to bring someone back partially and then have it done the rest of the way with the Lazarus Pits. Then it makes sense. Yeah. And so, yeah, so he wakes up, no longer no longer brain dead, just kind of brain damaged. Gets out into the streets, finds a red hoodie with, with yellow stripes on the side, steals it, goes to sleep in it with a scar on the side of his head, and then is woken up in the middle of the night with the scar being gone and now wearing a green jacket with no hood and yellow, and yellow fringe around the collar. Panel to panel, they misplace continuity. Mm. Yeah. Oh, also, he's wearing fingerless gloves. He wasn't in the panel before. Yeah. Sure. 
is getting the shit kicked out of him by some biker. What muscle memory? He beats the fuck out of him because he's robbing. And then word gets around, which eventually gets to Talia Al Ghul and the League of Assassins. As they bring Jason in, and Raish is like, the fuck you doing? This kid's a shitterton. Now, excuse me, I'm decrepit now. I gotta go take a bath. And so, yeah, she throws him in the Lazarus pit, which works. Well, it gets him the rest of the way there. Yeah. Well, well, that's the thing. Like, he came back back to life fine, and then from his injuries was brain damaged. And then this healed the injuries. Also, the whole thing with the coffin. (laughs) We'll get there. (laughs) So they go to escape. She makes out with Jason for a hot second, then throws him off a cliff. Yeah, no, I saw that and I was like, what? (laughs) Yep. I do not get it. It's like, hey, I hate your dad, so let's fuck, dude. I don't know. No, I love hate your dad, so. Let's fuck. And also, yeah. I, I want to ask your opinion on this. I don't know if we talked about this. Like, I know Rach is a bastard, but I kind of liked in the movie that, like, he thought that what the Joker, what he, what the Joker did on his technically his direction was a mistake that needed to be corrected. I kind of liked that as like a story beat. Yeah, it just went horribly wrong. Yeah, like that feels more in flavor with what Rache is. Yeah, what was the line? It's like yes, destruction, but never, never cruel, never cruelty, never pointless sadism. Yeah, like everything, like Raish in his like prime example, he's in some people's eyes could, could be a hero. Like everything that he does, he thinks he's doing it for the betterment of the world. But this, it's just, it's just, yeah, it caused that kid to die. Now he sucks. Fuck him. so Jason learns the Joker's alive and that makes him mad so he decides to go through the exact same training as Bruce did but in one fifteenth of the time yeah and somehow acquires enough funds to buy Cord Industries out from fucking yeah Mm -hmm. and then replaces the coffin Mm-hmm. So if you remember earlier where he where Batman said this coffin was uh, was specifically made by this one fucking magic carpenter boy yeah. and had sensors in it that could not be removed that would tell if the lid had been open or if anyone had gotten out or if anyone had gotten in. But the sensors wouldn't but the sensors wouldn't trip if someone was trying to get out because these sensors were made by a fucking moron. Yeah, it's like, oh, I guess it only works one way because that's how all motion sensors work. But his his whole conclusion at the end of that thing was that no one was in the coffin at all. And then in this, you see that he not only is in the coffin, he like tears the fucking coffin apart. Yes, and and and, and we see in this bit that he bought a but he bought a second coffin to replace it. Oh, I know. It's fucking stupid. I was like, what? 
<laughs> well, I mean, this this echoes another story that we always love to talk about, Nico, Identity Crisis, where totally it totally feels like this story, they knew exactly how it was going to play out from beginning to end, and all of it makes sense if you look at it as a total, right? <laughs> yeah, all right, yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, man. It just, I, I'm just like, is this written by the same person? <laughs> Apparently, both versions. <laughs> yes. like, how, how, it's almost as if, uh, yeah, he forgot what he wrote previously and like you just uh you know hinted at maybe they're just making it up as they're going along here but like it's just ridiculous like well, so, many, so much i don't know maybe this was i don't maybe know maybe all the references to stuff like omac and identity crisis and infinite crisis that wasn't like his goal that was like a tie-in that they needed to follow based on dc editorial because i mean marvel did that same thing a lot of books Marvel comics were basically unreadable between uh, 2006 and 2007 because they all had to reference Civil War. <laughs> yeah. And the- <laughs> oh, God. Got, Seems like a long way to go just to explain that stupid little coffin uh, part of the... Uh, yeah, well, again, uh, my, my point, keep yeah. it simple, stupid. Yeah. And they did not. <laughs> yeah, no. I'm just like, who cares about that at this point? Like, did this annual? Like, I know in the reading order in this trade, the annual comes after. Did it actually come after all of this? this I, it might have actually. It okay, because then it makes even less sense to me, like why they would readdress that. But okay, Batman Annual Twenty Five came out in April two in April in a uh, yeah, April two thousand six, which is about two months after I believe the final issue of okay the storyline. Well, yeah, there you go. Huh. Yeah. And then he goes and finds Hush. Because it turns out that the clay-faced Jason Todd and Hush was also just Jason Todd. Because, sure. Why not? (laughs) Yeah, he... I also also love this. He would face him as a ghost, as a creature created by him. He he just wanted to see his face, hoping to see regret. He did not. (laughs) Just, just what the fuck did you think was going to happen? It's like, hey, guess what? I'm the guy who's been fucking with you. Did you miss me, Dad? Yeah. At which point and he's like, must, that, at which point Batman also, was like very astutely just go, at which point Batman very astutely was like, fuck off, dude. You're not Jason. <laughs> like, what the fuck did he expect him to do? Just take off the bandages and go, hey, I'm Jason. And see Batman go, oh my God, Jason, you're alive. Holy fuck. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> like, what yeah, was his plan there? No. Yeah, I don't know. And again, just goddamn retcons. Like, I don't, I don't even think Hush is all that great a story to begin with. But it's better than this. It's better than this. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Yeah. Ugh. Never thought I'd say that about a Jeff Lowe story, but uh, <laughs> yeah. It's, and I that's mean, under the Red Hood. Yeah, that, at least that one I see. I think is a little bit more self-aware of the type of story that they're trying to tell. Like, is it's also better know, thought out. Yeah, which again, that's a weird thing to say about Hush. But, but uh, yeah, this is not, uh, this was not great. <laughs> it was not. I uh, cannot understand why James loves the Red Hood so fucking much. Oh, does he? Okay. Yeah, James. Oh, you're James. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Not, not not Jimmy. Yeah. No, I know who you're referring to. Yeah. yeah. James's favorite character is Jason Todd. Huh. I think that's because, and this it actually it's uh, the less it's 
it's not a, a, a one-to-one ratio just because of um it's like this other character has much better stories written about him it's just kind of like punisher syndrome some people just like the guy who uses the guns and kills people maybe i don't know if that again yeah. i don't know what your james he likes the pun- he loves the punisher too I, okay, yeah. okay so <laughs> I, I I do I mean I love the Punisher I I don't mind yeah but like the reason I said it's a better it's a better example is that there are better stories written about the Punisher than there yeah, are yeah yeah like like the Punisher as a character is also just like conceptually I think he's just better some people just like the more badass type characters though right so like and that's to the Punisher point you're trying to make I mean like that's what I mean you know the Wolverines of the world like you know what I mean like these kind of guys like I, I mean I dig a lot of the characters like that too but. yeah but yeah but like uh, the reasons we like them are different uh, yeah no like, for like, sure. like, like, the, like the reason something like Wolverine is just like yeah he's a fucking badass murderer like fucks, drinks and smokes and has a fucking sick Harley <laughs> and I'm like and I'm like I like he's a fucking dad right like yeah like yeah he's a fucking like heart like fucking hard drinking hardball and yeah but he's also just like Hey kids, be sure to fucking pack your back teen on you when you go on your woods trip. Yeah, well, some of the uh, some of the more hardcore Wolverine fans would not have liked if they did like a Fox X Men story where Hugh Jackman had to hang out with Ellen Page all the time and like train Kitty Pride to be a better X Man. They'd be like, "What the fuck is this Kitty shit? Why is he?" And I'd love that because that's the shit I'm here for. Mm-hmm. Like like when he took over the fucking Xavier School and Wolverine the X Men, I fucking love that story because. Oh, it was well, it yeah, was just of all of all people Wolverine is a more moral character than Charles Xavier. <laughs> 100%. Yeah. Like I fucking I, I I love Wolverine when he is in full on dad mode. And and I'm not even trying to compare the two because I think he's a much much better character obviously, <laughs> but it, I just trying to you say that and but which what's weird about that is Red Hood is from like the 2000s and like those people kind of you know from the 80s and the 90s, so it's it's like yeah, it's it's it. You know, I, I it's hard to make that comparison, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know why that would be, but I think he's like a this, fine character. I don't think he's a great character, but I, you know, maybe I like to some extent. I also don't think like a Punisher type character works as well in the DC universe as it does in the Marvel universe. Like I know you mentioned right. Hitman, and Hitman oh, is probably Hitman. a little a little closer to a a Punisher style character. Oh, yeah. But but that's but that's like played very self-aware and mm. kind of like darkly comedic mm-hmm. whereas like a more straight punisher character i'm trying if, is there just like a straight punisher character in the dc universe i'm trying to think if there is uh, one i mean me? i mean depending on how you de- how you define the dc universe the comedian yeah I, uh, I don't i don't count the alt no matter what current comics say i don't <laughs> count the watchman stuff but i know vigilante <laughs> was i think i guess like peacemaker Maker, yeah, those type of guys. Those are the ones I uh, Mad Dog, <laughs> <laughs> no Wild Dog, Wild Dog. That's his name. Yeah, thanks. Um, yeah, like those kind of characters, which again were all kind of like pastiches of like the um, of of the Punisher, right? So yeah, but like the, the, and each of those characters has kind of evolved into some like very bizarre self aware version of itself. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Where, where, where like the Peacemaker started like became a. Like very well, like well regarded secondary character in the Jaime Reyes story, uh, and then Wild Dog, he essentially became a, the sidekick to uh, Cave Carson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When in the um, uh, when those books, Wild uh, Animal, um, what are they called? Uh, uh, Cave Carson has a cyber and a guy. No, no, no. But those line of books. young animal, young animal. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then like Vigilante. 
he was in a he was in a season of Arrow. He's a Teen Titans um, character. I think he's closely Marvel Wolfman made uh, created him. I think with the Teen Titans, and uh, oh. I read a little bit of that. Um, but yeah, I mean, they all kind of I think come from the same type of place and idea. Well, yeah, they all come from the Punisher, basically. Yeah, it's just, it's just, but I think. Yeah, it's they, they all they all come from in a world of fucking gods and superpowers. We need one guy with a pistol. Yeah, yeah, it's the, the dead man's beloved bad trope. And all of these supervillains, all you need is a man with a gun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's For especially sure. great because like actually, actually uh, calling back to actually the Arrowverse stuff uh, with the vigilante showed up. It's just the entire Arrow team is just a dude with a gun times three. Right, and I, I just do you remember? Do you guys remember like the uh, the invasion? Yep. Thing. There, there's a bit in that where like they were like training by fighting Supergirl, and all of them were getting their ass kicked over and over and over again. Well, yeah, because they just kept shooting her, and I was like, "What is this supposed to accomplish?" <laughs> yeah, but then it turns out it worked because these fucking because the fucking Dominators they're apparently not bulletproof. As John Diggle, a man with a very small pistol. Right. Like, it wasn't even like a fucking super powerful one. Like, fucking Wild Dog has bigger guns than he does. And somehow he was still able to go out there and just fucking, like, blap, blap these motherfuckers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Dominators so- fucking apparently suck dick. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm glad I... I guess I'm glad I read this finally because I own the paperback and it was on my shelf and I I just was. I mean, down. I'm glad Dead sent me a copy so I wouldn't have to buy them because I would have probably regretted yeah. that purchase after yeah. I read it. I mean, I've I've <sighs> certainly had buyer's remorse in other comics that I bought for cheap, but I, this one I would have been kind of just particularly disappointed because my my initial my immediate reaction when I finished it was just to watch the movie again. <laughs> yeah. This book had fucking nothing in it. We covered 14 issues, and this is an hour and a half long episode. Well, yeah. I mean, there was a lot of complaining done in that time. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. if you are all interested in the story of the Red Hood, watch the movie. Check out our commentary track. Don't read the book, please. Just a letdown. I mean, you're <sighs> Reading like a Wikipedia post on this. Yeah, yeah, like like Bertie, you mentioned like mediocre crap, and I, I was like, and like reading this, I was like, fuck, this is, this is so. We should have done one of those fucking Venom books you were talking about. At least that would have been dumb fun, you know? Yeah, it would have been three hours of us mocking one panel. Well, yeah, I guess I guess one of us should have just read it ahead of time so we understood better before we recommended it. But I guess we were just going like, hey, well, we were talking about Jason Todd with three Jokers. What's right. like the best Jason Todd story? Well, everyone says it's under the Red Hood. Right. And if this is really the best Jason Todd story, I part of me yeah. kind of feels like I need to, like, give Jason Todd a hug because it's <laughs> well, everyone is well, Jason Todd. Need, Jason Todd need a hug forever. I mean, he was fucking voted to death. Yeah, I mean that that I mean it sounded like a good idea. Like like Bertie said, I I it sounded like a good idea at the time only in, in that sense where I'm like, yeah, that's, you know, Yeah, that's just thematically it was thematically it was the most appropriate book to pick, but right. In terms of actual enjoying reading it and talking about it, fuck, man. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway. Oh, well, always next time. Yeah. <laughs> and that's going to do it for this this time though. Thank you for joining us. We'll be back at some point with something else. Hopefully better than this. Yep, or hope. one or the other. Fucking hopefully. Just something more interesting, for the love of God. Me. 
It's like I'm, I'm, I'm talking about just like oh we need to pick something better. I'm going to pick this. <laughs> I wasn't okay. going to say anything. I know that's why I had to. Anyway, thank you for joining us. Until next time, though, I'm dead. Uh, I'm Birdie. And I'm Nico. We will see you guys next time. Watch the movie. Yeah.